Welcome to Knowing Him. This is Steve Danielson. And this is Angie Danielson. Join us each week as we explore the hymns of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and share our feelings, insights, and reflections about how each one brings us closer to Jesus Christ. Enjoy your favorites and find some undiscovered gems in our journey to knowing Him. Welcome, friends, to today's episode of Knowing Him. This is Steve Danielson, and I'm here with my co-host that I would want to be in the desert, on mountain, on land, or on sea, or joining me for this podcast, Angie. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) So I was thinking about it, Angie, and I could remember times that you and I have been together in deserts, on mountains, and lands, especially on long road trips. (laughs) But I couldn't remember off the top of my head any time we've been together on sea. Any thoughts? Um... Not that I can think of. can't think of ever being on a boat with you. Hmm. Apparently, we need to make a, a trip on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> so the phrase, in desert, on mountain, on land, or on sea, comes from today's hymn, number 319, Ye Elders of Israel. Honestly, I picked this song because I missed it. <laughs> so a little background for those that uh, may not be members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. From 1980 until just a few years ago, The church had a three-hour meeting schedule, uh, broken roughly into one-hour chunks. We'd have sacrament meeting, then Sunday school, and then the third hour is divided into Relief Society for the women and priesthood quorum meetings for the men. At the beginning of the priesthood meetings, we would meet together, and we would sing a hymn and say a prayer and have some general announcements. Uh, As we didn't often have a piano available for our opening exercises, as we called them, uh, we often sang the same hymns over and over, and Ye Elders of Israel was a stalwart favorite among the rotation that we did. It was one we could sing without the piano. We did never sing this one in Relief Society. No? <laughs> <laughs> well, a few years ago, we moved to a two-hour meeting block, and the opening exercises of pre-sale meeting were done away, so we never sing Ye Elders of Israel anymore. It's which too bad. I know. It's a great hymn. And didn't you tell me that you used to sing this on your mission a lot? Oh, yeah. All the time. This was one of our favorites. So this song reminds me of my mission a lot. And when I was in uh, La Coruña, Spain, um, we sang this song so much that one of the sisters that was in the um, in the city with me called the elders in our, dis- in our district and our zone. Our zone and district were all, we were all in the same city. Anyway, she called the elders the Elderes de Israel, and she called us sisters the Hermanas de Sion, which is sisters in Zion. So <laughs> that might have to be our next hymn after this one. There you go. There you go. Well, this is definitely a missionary hymn, the elders of Israel. And it talks about passion and dedication of the missionaries in the early days of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So we're going to get to more of the text here in a moment. But first, I've got a little quiz. Oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to ask five questions about those early missionaries of the church and see how much you know. Now I'm going to move my computer so you can't see my screen. Okay. Okay. Most of these you should know, or hopefully. Okay. The church was organized April 6th, 1830. And just a few days later, Joseph Smith called the first missionary. Who was it? Um, His brother, Samuel Smith. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) One point. Samuel Smith, Joseph Smith's younger brother. Uh, Samuel's missionary efforts weren't initially very fruitful. Uh, although he did place a copy of the Book of Mormon that would eventually make its way to what future church leader? Brigham Young. Brigham Young, yes. So the Book of Mormon made its way uh, through a couple of borrowed hands until it uh, ended in the home of Phineas and Brigham Young, um, which eventually led to their conversion uh, to the church. 
All right, this one might be a little tougher, though you may know these names. Amanda Inez Knight and Lucy Jane Brimhall were set apart in 1898 as the first what? Sister missionaries. Close. Single sister yeah, missionaries. Single sister missionaries. Single sister missionaries. <laughs> there had been some that had gone with, uh, with their husbands. Their husbands yeah. uh, uh, and actually one, I think, that was married that went on a different assignment. But first single sister missionaries, 1898. Okay, this one you'll probably not know. How old was the youngest mission president? It's probably really young. <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, Give me a guess. 15. Oh, that's younger than it actually is. Oh. Uh, 18. Wow. <laughs> 18. So Herbert Brown Fulger was appointed acting mission president of the Tahitian mission about a week before his 19th birthday in 1925. Wow. <laughs> so my guess is that the mission president got ill and had to leave and they had to have someone acting as mission president until they could get a replacement. That's that's know. my guess of what happened. <laughs> okay, and question number five. First overseas mission led by Heber C. Kimball and Orson Hyde in 1837 was to where? England. Yes, the British Isles. Good job. <laughs> got four out of the five correct. Thank you to uh, the article's History of the Missionary Work in the Church which is found at newsroom.churchofjesuschrist.org. And another article, The History of Missionary Work and the Early Mormon Missionaries Database, found at history.churchofjesuschrist.org for helping me compile the questions for this quiz. Uh, it's fun. I like to start yeah. with these things. <laughs> okay, so I wanted to start today um, with this quiz because our author was an early church missionary. Uh, Cyrus H. Wheelock, uh, 1813 to 1894 are his dates. Uh, so he joined the church in 1839, shortly afterwards served a mission in Vermont. Back then, um, there, was no, there, there wasn't a lot of waiting around to have callings of missionaries because there weren't many mi members. Yeah. <laughs> so you joined the church, you got a calling, or you were sent out on a mission. And it you was, went. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we think about, like, Edward Partridge called as the first bishop, and, like, how long had he been a member of the church when he was called as bishop? Not long. Not long. <laughs> and he was called as bishop for the entire church. I mean, the church wasn't very big, but there also weren't very many members, so you had to do what you had to do. Uh, Cyrus Wheelock later served multiple missions in England, uh, presided over the Northeast, North, Northern State Mission. Uh, so he had a lot of missionary work uh, in his time with the church. Didn't he preside over a couple missions? I, I believe so. I read. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, he also played a crucial role in the story of the martyrdom of Joseph and Hiram Smith. Uh, if you want to hear us talk more about that, you can go back to our episode about praise to the man. Uh, not praise to the man. Um, oh, poor wayfaring poor man of grief. Yeah. There we go. Um, so Cyrus Wheelock visited Joseph on the morning of June 27, 1844, on some legal matters. Uh, he had obtained a pass from Governor Ford to get into the prison, as well as safe, as safe passage from Carthage back to Nauvoo, because there was a lot of people out that had, thing, had things to say. Let's put it that way. Uh, he brought a pepper box pi pistol inside his raincoat, which is a small six-shooter, and he handed it to Joseph before he left, which gave Joseph a, a means of, of defending himself um, when the attack came just a couple hours later. So... Uh, once in Utah, Cyrus Wheelock uh, also played part of the rescue party that assisted the Martin Handcart Company near the Sweetwater River in Wyoming. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Yeah, so he he played an important role in a lot of 
a lot church of that history. early church history. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I'm I'm not entirely sure when he wrote the Elders of Israel. I couldn't find a, a time saying it was during this time that he wrote the Elders of Israel. Um, but it was first published in 1851, so sometime before that. So pretty early on in Utah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, pioneers started getting to Utah in 1847, so he would have been right there on the... Um, at the beginning at, of... At, yeah, at the beginning <laughs> the of The musical scene. <laughs> yeah, the beginning of the musical scene, that's right. Um, I'm not sure if it was first published in, like, the official hymn book, uh, the earliest official hymn book that I could find it in was in 1891. Uh, Hymnery.org had a couple scans from the 1891 in, uh, hymn book hmm. uh, where you could see it there. Uh, the words reflect the missionary zeal. So I'm going to read the words here. Ye elders of Israel, come join now with me and seek out the righteous where'er they may be in desert, on mountain, on land, or on sea, and bring them to Zion, the pure and the free. The harvest is great, and the laborers are few, but if we're united, we all things can do. We'll gather the wheat from the midst of the tares, and bring them from bondage, from sorrows and snares. We'll go, like, we'll go to the poor like our captain of old, and visit the weary, the hungry, and cold. We'll cheer up their hearts with the news that he bore, and point them to Zion and life evermore. O Babylon, O Babylon, we bid thee farewell. We're going to the mountains of Ephraim to dwell. So there are a couple terms in this song that I just wanted to talk about because some of our listeners may not be familiar with some of these terms or what our definition of them is. Uh, So the term Zion, uh, in the early days of the church, Zion meant a couple things. It meant... Uh, a particular location in Independence, Missouri, uh, that was considered Zion. But Zion is also where the body of saints are, where the where a gathering place of saints is. Uh, and around the time that he would have written this, Zion would have been considered in Utah, where people were gathering to that point. Uh, it was very common in those early days of the church for people that joined the church in the British Isles, say, um, to immigrate to America and join the saints uh, mm-hmm. in America. So there was a, a lot of immigration happening as people wanted to come to Zion. That was sort of their their goal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Babylon, the term Babylon. Um, what, what do you know about the term Babylon? What can you tell us? Well, it was a city in ancient times. In the Bible, we read a lot about Babylon. And it was known for being very wealthy and opulent. And they had every rich all the riches of the world um but the the lord often said negative things about babylon in the scriptures <laughs> the, the through his prophets because um of the worldliness and wickedness there and that it would be destroyed eventually which it was yeah and babylon was often used by the prophets as a uh, symbol a symbol wickedness. for the world yeah. for the wickedness. for the wickedness of the yeah. world uh there's a, a scripture in the doctrine and covenants section 133 verses 7 to 8. Uh, Angie, you have that open. Could you read that? This is sort of this the same spirit um, of this chorus, O Babylon, O Babylon, we bid thee farewell. So Doctrine and Covenants 133, 7 to 8. Yeah. So this is one of the scriptures that the hymn was based off of. Yea, verily I say unto you again, the time has come when the voice of the Lord is unto you. Go ye out of Babylon, gather ye out from among the nations, 
from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Send forth the elders of my church unto the nations which are afar off, unto the islands of the sea. Send forth unto foreign lands. Call upon all nations, first upon the Gentiles and then upon the Jews. So not only talk about going out of Babylon, but also sending missionaries to other nations, which is what this hymn is talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the next term I had is harvest. So um, I lost where that was. The harvest is great. Oh, there's the second verse. Harvest is great and the laborers are few. So we're talking about missionary work, going out and, and harvesting souls mm-hmm. um, that are that are grown up and prepared to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, The next term is the wheat and the tares. And this comes from a parable of Jesus in Matthew 13, where he's talking about the, uh, the farmer who is planting wheat and an enemy comes and plants tares amongst the wheat. Uh, And you can't tell the difference between the wheats and the tares until, until they're almost fully ripe. Uh, and then the gathering takes place, and in the scriptures it talks about the the wheat being gathered and the tares being burned. Um, so that's where the the image of the wheat and the tares comes in. Symbolic of the wheat being the righteous people that follow the Lord, and the tares being the wicked. Yeah. And the the last term I had here is the mountains of Ephraim. So this is the the frame the phrase mountains of Ephraim is only found here. It, it's not found in the scriptures. Ephraim, of course, is mentioned. He's one of the sons of Joseph, um, Joseph who was sold into Egypt. And he was the one that received the birthright um, from uh, from Israel, from Jacob. Mm-hmm. Um, so the birthright was supposed to go to Reuben. Reuben lost the birthright. And so it went to the firstborn son of his next wife, which was Rachel. So Joseph would have received that birthright. But Joseph's sons got the birthright from, from Jacob, and he gave it to the younger son, to Ephraim. Uh, and one of the blessing or promises to Ephraim that Isaiah talks about is the, the gathering of Israel and the spreading of the gospel through the world. Um, I meant to write that reference down, and I forgot to. I thought I had it, and I don't. So, so anyway, those are some, some interesting terms from the elders of Israel that I just wanted to... So why do you think Talk it says about. we're going to the mountains of Ephraim to dwell? Um, because, like I said, Ephraim has this connotation of missionary work and spreading the gospel. That was sort of his his posterity's charge. And as covenant people, as, as we are part of the covenant of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob... Uh, we take on that charge to spread the gospel through the world. And so we're we're going to the mountains where Ephraim is ready to gather in the people. That's sort of what I was thinking. How about you? I was thinking of it more as kind of a, another synonymous term with Zion. Like Babylon, the wicked, we're bidding you farewell. We're saying goodbye to the wickedness of the world. And we're going to go live in Zion, yeah. you know, in the mountains of Ephraim, which Ephraim represents righteousness. Yeah, that's a good way to think of it, too. <clears throat> All right, I want to... Oh, sorry. Before I talk about the tune, is there anything else you wanted to say about the text? I'm just going to add a little funny note here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go for it. Um, when um, many moons ago, like 
25 years ago or something when <laughs> my sister and I went to, <laughs> to Germany and we went to Germany, Austria and Switzerland, my sister and I on a trip when I was in college. And it was really funny. We, when we went to Switzerland, like nothing was open there. We couldn't find a hotel. We couldn't find like a place to eat. And we were like, what is going on? And it was on a Sunday, right? We had come from my brother's house in Germany and we had gone down to Switzerland and we were going to get a hotel and stay there and then go see stuff on Monday. Couldn't find a single thing <laughs> open. And we were like, what in the world? Well, we figured out that there was this huge holiday they were celebrating. I can't even remember what it was over that weekend. I think the actual holiday was on Monday, but the entire weekend everything was shut down like everything i think we finally found a gas station where we could like grabbed a little food <laughs> and we were starving to death and then we went back to germany to get a hotel we couldn't find one in switzerland anyway so we decided that they must be like the mountains of ephraim at, because they were so righteous that they had shut everything on Sunday. Like, <laughs> everything was shut on Sunday. And so we sang this hymn. We sang this while we were there <laughs> about, like, Babylon and, like, going to... Except we said, we're going to the mountains of Switzerland to dwell. Because <laughs> we, we just thought it was so incredible. You almost had to go up in the mountains closed. to sleep. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, it was pretty funny. All right. So I want to turn to the tune of this song. Uh, so up until 1985, uh, in the 85 hymn book, the tune was listed as anonymous. So in the 1927, the 1948, the ones that I have, it was listed as anonymous. Hmm. Uh, in 1985, they attributed the tune to Thomas Haynes Bailey, B-A-Y-L-Y, and wrote Adapted. Hmm. So uh, first of all, about Bailey, uh, born in 1797, Died in 1839. He was an English poet, songwriter, dramatist, and writer. Uh, he has a song called Long, Long Ago that this tune is similar to. So I'm going to sing Long, Long Ago, and you can be the judge of how similar it is. Tell me the tales that to me were so dear Long, long ago, long, long ago Sing me the songs I delighted to hear Long, long ago, long ago Now you are come oh, Sorry, now you are Sorry, this is weirdly written Now you are come My grief is removed Let me forget That so long ye have roved Let me believe that you love as you loved Long, long ago, long ago. I can hear some similarities in there. There is some similarities. Yeah, interesting. I don't know why they decided to attribute it to him in 1985, where it hadn't been before. Yeah, I don't know. Um, That's interesting. Now, but I will say, Long, Long Ago was a popular song. In 1844, it was one of the most popular songs in the United States. Seems funny. Yeah. <laughs> this was a song I played on my violin when I took Suzuki violin lessons. That's so. right. <laughs> any, any beginning violin students out there, you may recognize this tune. Uh, Bailey did write the, the, the music and the original lyrics uh, that I just sang. But I, I have not seen any sources that specifically say that this tune was like taken from long long ago like i haven't seen any sources saying 
that Cyrus Wheelock found long, long ago and adapted it, or hmm. that W.W. Phelps did, or it. There's no no concrete evidence. Did Karen Davidson say anything about it in our? She didn't. Latter day. No, it's just <laughs> just attributed to him huh. in there. So I'm not sure what the decision making. I mean, it is a similar tune, but I think there are almost enough differences, differences <laughs> that it could be that whoever wrote it just wrote a similar tune. I mean, I've I've done that before. I've written something, and someone was like, "Oh, that reminds me of such and such a song," and I'm like, "I didn't even didn't, think about it. <laughs> didn't even think about it. I was just writing what was in my head." So it's possible, but we don't really know. Didn't we read that? And um, don't sit under the apple tree with anyone else but me it was kind of taken from this yeah. tune as well. <laughs> so in 1939, the tune was given new words, revised slightly again in 1941, gave a bouncier tempo, uh, and it became the 1942 Glenn Miller hit, Don't Sit Under the Apple Tree with Anyone Else But Me. Which I thought was don't funny. Don't sit under the apple tree with anyone else but me, anyone else but me. Yeah, so and I was like, oh, I can hear it now. <laughs> like, I never thought about that before. <laughs> uh, so there... There is another famous song by uh, Bailey. It's not one that I knew, but it was one I've seen in a couple sources called Gailey the Troubadour. Uh, this may be another beginning violin song or, it's not or one that something. I know. <laughs> well, maybe Suzuki didn't use it. Maybe someone else <laughs> anyway, uh, so this is Gailey the Troubadour. Mm -hmm. Gailey the Troubadour touched his guitar. As he was hastening home from the war, singing from Palestine, hither I come. Lady love, lady love, welcome me home. Singing from Palestine, hither I come. Lady love, lady love, welcome, welcome me home. It's a catchy little tune. Mm -hmm. Well, in the 1985 version, of the elders of Israel, they also lowered it uh, a major third. Uh, in the earlier versions, it had been in G major. In the '85 version, it's down in E flat major. Hmm. Uh, I I guess for um, ease of singing, make it easier to sing. Uh, maybe they were finding men's choirs were having a harder time singing it up higher, so they just lowered the whole thing down. So now the the highest note is a is a C instead of a instead of an E. So. Has it always been like in the men's section? It, it's usually been considered men's a, a men's specific song, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, no other songs in our, in our hymn book has a similar meter, so you can't exchange it with a, another song with different words. This is just sort of a one-of-a-kind uh, song here that we've got. All right, did you have anything else about this hymn that you wanted to share? I don't think so. Okay. I might accidentally sing it in Spanish, though. When we sing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try <All> right. not to. <laughs> Here we go. Ye elders of Israel, come join now with me and seek out the righteous wherever they may be. In desert, on mountain, on land, or on sea, and bring them to Zion, the pure and the free. O Babylon, O Babylon, we bid thee farewell. We're going to the mountains of Ephraim to dwell. The harvest is great and the laborers are few. 
But if we're united, we all things can do. We'll gather the wheat from the midst of the tares, and bring them from bondage, from sorrows and snares. O Babylon, O Babylon, we bid thee farewell. We're going to the mountains of Ephraim to dwell. We'll go to the poor like our captain of old, and visit the weary, the hungry and cold. We'll cheer up their hearts with the news that he bore, and point them to Zion and life evermore. O Babylon, O Babylon, we bid thee farewell. We're going to the mountains of Ephraim to dwell. Well, friends, thank you for joining us today as we discussed the hymn, Ye Elders of Israel. As always, it's a joy to be with you and to discuss the hymns. If you'd like to connect with us, please email us at knowinghim at gmail.com or leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash knowinghim. We'd love to hear what you think about the podcast and about the hymns. In the meantime, I hope you'll join us next week as we sing our way to Knowing Him.